0: Welcome back to the Believe, Be Real, Be Bold podcast. I'm Dave Glazer in Denver, Colorado. Hoping you all had a wonderful holiday season and are ready for a brand new year, a fresh start, and a clean slate. Today's bonus episode was taken directly from one of our private members-only group calls where we had Dr. Kristen Hick, a local expert in relationships and dating, divorce recovery, and has always been a huge supporter of our mission here at the podcast. She spent some of her valuable time educating our group members on what attachment styles are, and she explained it so succinctly and so concisely that I wanted to clip out that audio version from the live event and share it with you now. Without further delay, let's get into today's bonus episode with Dr. Kristen Hick and defining what attachment styles are. Thank you very much, Dr. Hick. That was amazing. And let's get to Perry's question. She asks, um, share an overview on attachment styles and how we attract or repel those with either similar or opposing attachment styles. Oh. And our group, right, our group right now is Reading Attached uh, by oh, Amir good. Levine. And he's talking about um, anxious attachment benefiting from dating more than one person at a time mm-hmm. so that they don't uh, clench their fists around that one person. And that comes mm-hmm. back to the scarcity and the abundance conversation that we had a moment ago. And then understanding that the push-pull attraction, Dr. Hick touched on it earlier about the familiarity. So from mm-hmm. there, I'll, I'll let you take over on the attachment styles because I could go all night and I know you could too.
1: Yeah, I know I could too. Well, here, here's my spiel on it because I think it's important to understand where it comes from. And this may be a little bit of repeat from what you're reading in, in attached, but hopefully it'll feel relevant. So attachment is based on the bond that you first build with your caretaker and it becomes integrated into your sense of self, like your idea about who the people are in the world, if people are generally there for you, available for you, helpful to you or not. And then you take that, that kind of version of what relationships generally are into your adulthood. Um, Research says that they're generally stable, your attachment style is generally stable across time. Um, However, uh, there can be repairs that happen that change it from an insecure attachment to a more secure attachment, or what we also call earned security. So other attachment figures such as therapists, which I'm a huge fan of therapy because long term therapy actually is shown to change your attachment style. Um, Secure partnerships. Teachers that you're really involved with, everything can change it. You can also see changes with adult relationships that aren't so healthy, changing what was previously a secure base of attachment to less security. So it's always important, even if you started out with one, that you're actively working on improving the security through having secure relationships. Let me explain what secure means. So if a if a caregiver is um, available to meet your needs as an infant, you cry, they come, they soothe you, they know how to soothe you, not perfectly, but good enough. You know, they, they do what they can to figure out what does this cry mean? Um, when you fall down, they don't rush to helicopter, but they go, oh, are you okay? Okay, yeah, cool, I'm here if you need me, but no big deal, but... Um, and they let you go off and explore the playground and come back. They let you go off on dates as a teenager and come back. right? There's a little bit of flexibility in how they show up for you, but they're consistent in their their responsiveness to you. And they usually do with warmth. And that's what we call secure attachment. So you believe that that you're worthy of people showing up and being available in your life. And that generally becomes a secure attachment in your adult years. Um, there's two groups of insecure attachment. Um, Well, three groups really, but there's two main groups, the anxious and um, avoidant. Sometimes it's called preoccupied or ambivalent. So if you see it in the research in other ways, it's all the same thing, just different researchers like to call it different things. Um, And then avoidant, which is also called dismissing. Um, And the anxious attachment, they generally have parents that for one reason or another are inconsistently responsive to the child's needs. Sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. That might be because of work, that might be because a lot of siblings, you know, mental health issues, uh, a whole host of things, sometimes within the parent's control, sometimes not. And because they're inconsistent in responding, the child develops a sense of, I must stay close to my attachment figure or I won't get my needs met. So there comes in that clinging behavior where they literally won't, they have separation anxiety, they won't live, let mom leave the room or dad leave the room. Then you see them grow up and they tend to be more clinging in relationships, be more preoccupied with what does that mean? What does that text mean? Well, they didn't call, what does that mean? Kind of putting together, like preoccupied with putting together the information to see is that person gonna be available or not. Um, they tend to attract people that aren't available to meet their needs because that's a familiar pattern for them, right? Mom was inconsistent, dad was inconsistent. Um, so I better stay close, make sure I call them, make sure I text them, make sure you know, I stay in contact with them otherwise they might kind of just jet. Uh, rewind to avoidance. They tend to have caregivers that are consistently unavailable for one reason or another. They might have a parent who died. They might have a parent that has an addiction, um, mental health issues, their own attachment stuff, all sorts of reasons, sometimes within their control, sometimes not. And so the, the child basically goes, well, that person's not gonna be there for me. I gotta do me. Like, I gotta survive this world on my own. And the thing about it is, is they fall under the radar Um, because they look really self-sufficient growing up. They look very independent and self-reliant, which in American culture is pretty valued. And so they fly under the radar as like not really having needs, but they do have needs. They have needs for closeness, but they've pushed those those pretty far away. So then they get into relationships um, and they have things that distance them from being close in a relationship, hobbies, working, traveling, other priorities that may seem really important, but and can be important, but serve to create distance in the relationships. So, the fourth category, which is not talked as much about, but I know you've mentioned on your podcast, um, is a fearful avoidant, also called disorganized, also called unresolved attachment, which usually comes from traumatic experiences in childhood or beyond, um, where there's kind of an inconsistent. They have both, they have avoidant and they have anxious and they kind of flip back and forth depending on who they're with, who they're around. Um, so it can sometimes be the more confusing style for the person experiencing it because they're like, well, I was at this point at this point, and now I'm this way with this person and you talked about it um, on today's podcast. I thought really nicely in sharing what you experienced with it. So um, the lo- second part to your question, I know I just gave you reader's digest view of that question, but can you repeat that the last Mm -hmm. part? I don't want to get that wrong.
0: Yeah. How we attract or repel those with either similar or opposing attachment styles.
1: So I'll go with the repel is there's a lot of truth to the saying opposites attract for insecure attached people. So the, the secure attracts secure. They're kind of a similar... They're both pretty good with closeness, pretty good with having their own space. They kind of are flexible with that. But I see it most that an anxious isn't probably going to be with an anxious, right? Because it's not an opposite. It's kind of think about a magnet and an avoidant isn't going to be with an avoidant. And even to some degree, an anxious or an avoidant person is probably not going to feel too great with a secure because it's not going to be enough charge. Um, So when we think about chemistry, which man chemistry is a really overrated phenomenon i would say like it's there right but most people will judge a potential relationship based on how much chemistry there is and that's actually if you feel that much chemistry in the beginning it's because of that charge it's because of you know the anxious and the avoidant kind of locking and pairing about some familiar patterns That's a familiarity. That's why your brain is lighting up with chemistry. Your body's lighting up with chemistry um, when you feel that because it's an old familiar pattern. It's like, oh, I want to fix this. I want to redo this from that earlier childhood pattern. And we're masters. We are always creatures of trying to master things. So, you know, what is familiar to us that didn't work before? We're we're kind of like geared to want to fix it. So we go after what maybe we know consciously doesn't really work for us. It doesn't get our needs met, but feels like there's a pull to it. So we tend to see the anxious and the avoidant. And it's not to say an anxious and avoidantly attached person can't be in a relationship. It's probably gonna require a lot of work. It's gonna require some couples therapy, um, but people make it work. Um, you know, And if both people are in individual therapy, they might have earned some security within themselves, that their default pattern might be, you know, the avoidant realm or the anxious, but they can usually come back during times of non, of not conflict to come back to a little more security.
0: That was a lot of information. I am so appreciative of Dr. Kristen Hick coming by to offer up her time because I know it's so valuable. She was welcomed in as an expert guest to our private virtual group to share her expertise on attachment theory, and I had a lot of takeaways from that brief conversation, but also the many conversations that she and I have had over the last year or so since we met and originally recorded. A few of my biggest takeaways are the push-pull gravitational force between an avoidant and an anxious attachment style, as well as an anxious and an anxious won't necessarily pair up very well because they're not polar opposites like that of a magnet. So that's a couple of my big takeaways. Personally, I think that uh, Dr. Kristen Hick addressing the fearful avoidant, which is what I relate to most, uh, was my overall biggest takeaway. Um, that's why I oftentimes on the podcast refer to my attachment style as a pendulum, because I can swing back and forth, depending on the polarity of my partner at the time. Um, it lends me a lot of opportunity to speak from both points of view, uh, the anxious attachment style, the avoidant attachment style. And then uh, another big takeaway that I had from Dr. Hick was that we can earn security through long-term Therapy, And that's something that I can attest to myself. Understanding that through self-awareness and a support system like therapy and counseling or a group um, like what we do here for the podcast is a great way to understand more about yourself, see your reflection in other people, as well as have a safe place to go to when things in your relationship and partnerships come up that feel like anxiety or I kind of want to avoid and numb out. Um, What are you experiencing right now that were big takeaways from our conversation with Dr. Kristen Hick? Feel free to message me on Instagram. That's probably where I hang out most. Um, If you have any questions about what the content of today's episode was all about. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, Please, if you found a lot of value in this episode, please share it with one person and uh, subscribe and give us a five-star rating and a written review so that we know that the message of the podcast is getting out there. Until next week, guys, this is Dave in Denver.